Good morning. This day in the church calendar is All Saints Day. All Saints Day. What is All Saints Day? It is a church tradition that is over 1,500 years old. And it is a church tradition that we are going to hope understand better today and at the same time understand some of the reasons that aspects of it that were celebrated for a long time we don't celebrate and aspects of it hopefully will point us toward the gospel and the call that we have to live out in salvation. So All Saints Day, there are special calendar days in the Roman Catholic Church calendar for special saints. There are also special calendar days for special saints in other church calendars. The Coptic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Greek Orthodox Church. We don't have that at all. At all. We have no special saints days at Lonsdale Community Church, even when 50 years from now, Randy Pardue, one of our church fathers, is in heaven, we will not be celebrating a certain day, pick one of the easier Tennessee football win Saturdays, as St. Randy Day. People may still remember 50 years from now that we should, we should call it St. Randy, Biblical Counseling, Reject Worldly Wisdom Day. So there will be a spiritual legacy that continues, but we won't be celebrating Randy as a particular saint. Uh, the definitions of saint in the dictionary, the first is one officially recognized, especially through canonization, as preeminent for holiness. Second definition is one of the spirits of the departed in heaven. The third is one of God's chosen people. The fourth one eminent for piety or virtue. And the fifth an illustrious predecessor. All Saints Day is not referring in the Roman church to what I will refer to today, which is the fact that if you are a Christian, you are a saint and all of us indeed are saints. It was, again, as I said, something that was initially designed to reflect and remember those who had been martyred for their faith. And in that sense, I think it is a beautiful, important, and powerful thing, and that churches in the Reformed tradition can still absolutely celebrate things like Fox's Book of Martyrs, and we can learn wonderful lessons, not just from those who are in the Bible, but those from church history after Revelation and the Bible was closed. There were wonderful people who lived godly lives, who wrote worthwhile things, who died for their faith, and remembering them is good. It can be encouraging for us. One of the reasons I believe that 
saints became so popular is because the very concept that there is only one mediator between God and man, that is Christ Jesus, is incredibly challenging to our flesh. What is man, O oh God, that you are mindful of him? Uh, look, you know, I actually, my favorite saint to pray to is uh, Saint Vesuvius. Uh, he's for freckled people who like to go fishing. There's not, you know, there's a lot of saints out there, but that's my guy. You know, I, I know he thinks about me because there's not a lot of us freckled fishers. So making it personal, finding someone who you can say, this is my person. I mean, one of the reasons as well that the church created this All Saints Day had to do with the fact that in different church traditions in different places, people ended up with their favorite saint, right? The favorite saint of people in Guatemala today who are Catholic is not the same as the favored saint of people who are in Hungary or the favored saint of people who are in other cultural traditions and who end up having a favorite saint. Can anybody tell me the favorite saint of people in Ireland? St. Patrick. Anybody heard of St. Patrick's Day? Now, was there a miracle where, where St. Patrick made beer green? That's kind of culturally, I think, where we are, which is not accurate as to who he was. He was a man who was enslaved and who God used to bring the gospel to people who were going to hell. He's a very beautiful story. What about uh, the other day, all the, all the kids are upstairs in the nursery. If you're watching on, on the phone here on the live stream, spoiler alert, there are children who aren't aware of this truth. Also, don't lie to your kids. Um, when Lewis was in class the other day, someone said, I know Santa is real. I have faith in him. And Lewis, who's five, looked at his classmate and said, he was a real person, but now he's dead. Um, Santa Claus is not real, of course, but St. Nicholas was a real person, the Bishop of Myra. He had real life. He gave toys, or toys, he gave, probably not toys, it was probably food. He gave gifts to children that helped them. So why do we have these differing saints and these different beliefs? Because it's so just challenging to our flesh to understand the truth that Jesus Christ intercedes for us. Jesus intercedes for us. It's so hard for us to understand that to believe that, that people find it much easier to have a medallion, a touchstone, a thing, honoring someone who's smaller, a smaller God, much more like us, made in our image. Well, Clayton, it's not straight idolatry. Some of them don't worship him as God. Okay, a smaller mediator, which is also unbiblical. Because it's so challenging to think that as believers, we have direct access to God through Christ. But we do. He loves us. He thinks about us. He prays for us. That is a truth that we can celebrate today. So when I say we're all saints, where does that concept come from? One of God's chosen people, one of the definitions here. Well, the Apostle Paul calls the church saints. 
let me give you one verse and tell you that that's where we're going to get this entire idea. No, that would be ridiculous. That type of isolation often results in misuse. But let me tell you how common this is. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. 1 Timothy 5.10. Philemon 1.5. Again and again and again, the church is referred to in this way as saints. Saints. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things that are beautiful for us to ponder and that have an impact on our lives. We're chosen by God. We're set apart. We're justified by faith, sanctified by the Spirit. We are living sacrifices, pursuing holiness. Romans 10, Romans 12, we can see these themes of who we are as the church saints. But is it wrong to remember it's not. It's not wrong to remember. And in the comfort of funerals, we do not want to oversell what Scripture says, but is there reason to think that there are believers who have gone on before us who could still perhaps see us, who could be praying for us, who could be celebrating victories in our lives? Yes, there is reason to believe that. Now, are any of these people stuck in purgatory, and if we pay a certain amount of money, we'll get them out? Yeah. No, there's nothing in the Bible to indicate that. It was one of the cornerstones. It's a great way to raise money if you're a crook who's just abusing people in the name of God. But it was wrong. It was evil. And we get to celebrate October 31st. I guess if you're from the certain Reformed homeschool tradition, it feels very normal. But in most of our culture, it feels weird. Reformation Day, October 31st. Martin Luther didn't find a door that had a problem that he needed to repair. He found a bulletin board that was the place where doctrine was discussed, where he nailed theses up and said, these are the things that we need to discuss because the church has a problem. Because I, Martin Luther, thought that I was going to work my way into heaven. I thought that I should pay my money. I thought... And now I've understood in Scripture none of these things have a biblical basis. So the church moved towards understanding the Scriptures that we're going to discuss. But this remembrance time is not completely out of character with Scripture. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11 is one of the most powerful times of remembrance, and it's not Old Testament remembrance. Old Testament remembrance was often tied to family, family trees, family trees, family trees. Starting in the New Testament, there's a new picture of family. Jesus, the Messiah, comes to us, and he's not descended straight from royalty, and let's leave out the others. He is the prophetic fulfillment of everything that was prophesied in the Old Testament, but he comes from a bloodline that includes people who we would leave out of the story if it had to be pure, good, excellent, beautiful. There are people in that story in, in the beginning of Matthew who you look and say, Ugh. and in Hebrews chapter 11, when there is a, a history, a recounting, a remembrance of faith, it begins all the way back with Abel. By faith, 
Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, Hebrews 11.4. By faith, Abraham, Hebrews 11.8, obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And what more shall I say, verse 32, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Catholic Church refers to the church that we would represent here, if, if some of them, depends, uh, accept us as part of it, as the church militant. The church militant as opposed to the church triumphant. The church triumphant being those who died in Christ and who are in heaven today. The church militant is the church that's still fighting the spiritual warfare, the battles on earth. That is the church as it's referred to by them. This is a picture. When you read through this picture, um, it's very easy to remember someone like Daniel in the lion's den. Well, did he know he was going to be rescued from the lions? No. He just knew to be obedient. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Do you think you feel less afraid of fire because you know their story? What's powerful about reading this, there's many things that are powerful about it, but reading it in light of an All Saints Day, in light of knowing where those who wrote the New Testament ended up, is that they were killed. The lions ate them. The fire consumed their bodies. Now, are there miraculous stories of God's intervention in the early church even, of people who continue preaching while they're in a fire, who can't be killed? Yes, there are miraculous stories like that. But do you know what happened to the vast majority of them? They died. They died. And they went to heaven. The story of the church is not a story of God's rescue and redemption of physical bodies from suffering and pain. Rather, it is the story of God's rescue and redemption of us spiritually giving us the hope of heaven while we endure pain, humiliation, physical challenges here on earth. The prosperity gospel is a lie, and it's a lie that doesn't 
look at all like it matches up with the history of the church. I guess all those people who were martyrs, they must just not have enough faith. They should have gone out there in whatever the chariot equivalent of a Bentley was. But I guess they just didn't have enough faith. No. They had all the faith that was required, and they are in heaven forever with crowns that are imperishable. But this life, in this life, Christ promised us persecution. He did not promise us an easy way. The picture of the so great a cloud of witnesses is a picture of example that there are those who we can recall, who we can strive toward. And guys, I'm not picking specifically just on baby boomers. I would say, though, in American history and in American culture, the baby boomers tore down something that was normal culturally and that is helpful and is right and is righteous, and that is to have heroes who have gone before. That movement has gotten worse. Now you can't bring up anyone from history without someone saying, "Uh, aren't they problematic because... And guys, it's not wrong to understand history. Martin Luther may have been senile, or he may have just gone in a really ugly direction the last few years of his life. But aside from throwing excrement, he said some horrible things about Jewish people that are wrong. But when we look at people who have already died in Christ and who have gone before us, there are people we can look up to. You don't have to say, oh, I... uh, Listen, unless someone's... uh, Here's one thing I think of that that makes my stomach hurt, but that I think is a valid way of thinking about problems today versus problems in the past. Uh, Excuse me. uh, In 1300, so-and-so lived in a time of slavery, and they didn't seem to strongly condemn that. They weren't fighting against that. You know, prior to Wilberforce, uh, nobody was. Nobody was. Guess who had slaves? Everybody. Okay? So it's a relatively recent thing that people have said, oh, that we shouldn't do that. It makes my stomach hurt to think about the best writers, pastors, preachers, teachers who will be remembered because God's using them powerfully now, 300 years from now, if the Lord tarries that long, if he doesn't return in that time, that people will say they didn't get arrested every week because of the abortion clinics being open. They, they, they said they were against it, but, I mean, they didn't really do anything about it. We live in the times that we live in, and there are people in history who are worth looking up to. There are people in history who are worth remembering. There are people in history who are worth celebrating. Now, who can we look back in history and say lived a perfect life? Only Christ. Not Mary. Okay, sorry, that was a little Reformation celebration. Uh, Only Jesus. Only Jesus, no one else. But there are saints who have gone before, saints, Christians, who have gone before, who we can celebrate, and it's not wrong to celebrate them. And the destruction of that has been something that we miss. It's something we lack within the church, and it's not to our benefit that we're missing that today. It's not wrong to say that there's something good from the example of a St. Nicholas. There's not something wrong with looking and saying that there's a great example from the life of St. Patrick. 
These are cultural people, but they were real historical figures, and there's great things to listen in their lives and think, okay, Lord, I'm taking a lesson from that. In our own lives, it's also not wrong to celebrate past. Who played a pivotal role in your spiritual formation? Who's in heaven now? If there is a person like that, it's not wrong to celebrate them. It's not wrong to thank God for them. And there is biblical evidence that leads us to at least be able to say, we don't know, but it's very possible that those people are celebrating today. There is a huge change that takes place in us when we understand who we represent. Who we represent. Our name. If you grew up with a mom and dad who loved Jesus and loved you and who did a great job raising you, it is very likely that at times when you were a teenager, the thing that prevented you from doing something wrong was not thinking about Jesus, but was thinking about mom and dad. Oh, that's just not how we do things in our family. Ooh, I, I mean, I know these other kids are doing the wrong thing, but I, I don't want to dishonor my name. If you have a legacy of godliness, grandfather, great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, it's a blessing. It's a heritage that matters. But if you have a legacy of no godliness at all in your family, if you're the first Christian in your family, what the Bible points us to is that our name is in him. Our family name is in him because our family is Christians. And in that way, All Saints Day is a time for you to celebrate and to think of people living and people who have gone on to heaven who are part of your family in Christ. It is depressing sometimes to think that, that of the theologians who I enjoy reading, most of them are dead. I mean, it's just kind of depressing. Oh, but Clayton, have you heard of so-and-so? Honestly, I mean, sadly, and I, this is not speaking to anyone in our church, and I, I don't think it's anyone who watches on the live stream. Some of my friends have given me books to read in the last five years from contemporary pastors that I thought were terrible. They're just bad. Oh, he's a megachurch pastor. Well, I don't know if he, ghost, if he wrote that or if a ghostwriter wrote it, but it's terrible. It's bad. I don't like it. But guys, in comparison to being in the presence of God for eternity, it pales in comparison. But man, is it exciting to think about people who blessed your life, who you read, who lived 500 years ago, 800 years ago, 1,000 years ago, to think that you will get to spend eternity with them as well? It should be encouraging. It should be fun. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing. They are your brothers and sisters, and they are in heaven today. And we can learn lessons from what they did. So, on All Saints Day, can we remember those who have gone before? Yes. Is it proper to take lessons from their life in ways that they followed Christ and to say that we want to take the best parts of their example and live like it? Absolutely. Yes. So, we are going to end our passage. It's going to be First Peter and First Peter chapter 2. 
And this is the picture of who we are. This is the picture of the church running the race. This is the picture of the church where all of us are saints and all of us are priests. Beginning of verse 4, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Years ago, I went to a funeral that almost ended with the son of the deceased man getting into a fist fight with the pastor who did the funeral. It was, it was awkward. I was not the pastor. I was involved in seeking to separate the potential combatants. Grief makes people somewhat crazy. I give people a pass for the two weeks around the death, especially of someone close in their family, for anything insane that they do. Um, grief just does sometimes temporarily rob people of their senses. But in this case, what had happened is that this young man had been estranged from his father, and now as a man in late middle age, he did not like the service given for his father because it wasn't the father that he knew. It wasn't a picture of the father that he knew. The man described was a man who wasn't given to wrath. The man described was patient and encouraging and humble. The man described didn't look like his dad, and he felt like the entire service was a lie and a sham because he carried bitterness and pain and hatred of his father. But guess what, guys? I knew the man, and he is in heaven now. And he was a horrible father to his son. But he was rescued and changed and redeemed and called out of darkness. And as believers today, we can celebrate on All Saints Day who we are in Christ and who we are becoming. And so not only can we celebrate people in our lives who are now in heaven, and it's not wrong to remember them, it's not wrong to celebrate them, it's not wrong to be thankful for them. But we remember something even deeper than that legacy, even deeper than that name. We remember that we are ambassadors for Christ, and it's his name that we bear. And he has changed us, he has rescued us, he has redeemed us. We are chosen by God, set apart, holy, justified by faith, sanctified by the Spirit. We are living sacrifices who have already been set apart but we are pursuing holiness our lives are not supposed to look like everyone else around us when we seem different it's because we are he's made us different we 
don't do that in our own strength. We do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's the takeaway for us? What's the takeaway? Ask God today to give you a picture of gratitude towards any of those who have gone before, who, as you're being conformed to the image of Christ, you want to be like. I remember Granny Lou. She was such an encourager. Maybe that's the Spirit calling you to encourage others. Well, I just, I just remember that Chris, he, just, he was the most patient man I've ever known. Maybe that's drawing you because you are struggling with impatience. Ultimately, there's only one perfect example, Jesus. But as you think with gratitude about those who have poured into your life, as you remember those who you're going to be with again in heaven forever, think of ways in which the Holy Spirit might be drawing you to seek to live a life that looks more like them. Because ultimately, any time that we've seen someone who's good, it's only because of the power of God. None of us are good in our own strength. None of us are good in our own power. Years ago, my grandfather, who's been in heaven for a long time now, met another friend who had been retired at that point, I think, for 26 years. And after they visited for a while, she said, I felt like I'd known him my whole life, and I couldn't think of who he reminded me of, and then I realized who it was. Okay? She was not senile, but her answer seemed puzzling. She said, he was like Jesus. What she meant was, when someone's been sanctified and they're in their mid-80s, and they've been walking closely with the Lord for a long time, and you've never met them before, but what you see in them is the character and person of Christ, you can celebrate it. Not because they're good, but because He is good. And because His work happens in our lives and makes us more and more and more like Him. When you've known someone who has loved you with a love that's described in 1 Corinthians 13, it's not because they were a good person. That's the problem with sainthood as misunderstood by the world. She was just a saint. Her husband was a jerk all those years, but she put up with him. She just had you know, one of those personalities. She could just handle a lot. No. No. If she handled a lot, it was through the power of God. It wasn't because she was good. If he had boldness in evangelism, it wasn't because he was a strong or good person in his own strength. It was because of God. So as we celebrate saints who have gone before, as we ask God to help us with gratitude to remember those who have blessed our lives spiritually, what we're ultimately asking for is in practical ways to see how Jesus is at work in the lives of those around us and how, through his power, we can be more like him. Let's pray. Lord, it is so tempting for us to say, oh, I want to have a victorious life with no suffering, with no pain. I remember those who went before in those good old days when everyone felt no pain, when jobs were easy, when there was tons of wealth. 
but we know if we stop and give it real thought at any time that things were hard, have always been hard. We live in a fallen world. And ultimately, when we see your character displayed, it's when people suffer well, when people endure as you endured. So we pray for that. We pray that we will be able to think of memories that encourage us. We know it's only through your power and strength that we can live a life that honors and glorifies you. But we want to walk in joy-filled obedience. And we want to be those who leave a legacy behind, not of being the star of our own story, but of being Christians, little Christ, those who follow you completely, those whose lives look like you, that we might disappear into your story. Lord, we want to be molded in your image. We thank you for the great cloud of witnesses. We thank you for those who faithfully endured even unto death. We thank you for those who were imprisoned and instead of hating their prison guards sought to lead them to you. We thank you for the example of those who love their enemies so well. God, I'm so convicted thinking of people who love the enemies who killed their family. We find it hard today to love those who disagree with us. Make us like you. As you suffered on the cross and asked for forgiveness for your tormentors. We want to be like Jesus. We thank you for the saints who have gone before. We thank you for who you've made us. We thank you that the family name It's not our family, however good or bad it is, but that the family name is yours. You've adopted us into your family. You've given us a new name. You've given us meaning and purpose and calling in life. We want to delight you. We want to follow you. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, that we might enter that great cloud of witnesses for eternity, witnesses to your glory. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.